Good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am the host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic in your pocket. We are very excited to have on our guest this week. He is from the mountain time zone of Nebraska. It is Tyler Shaw, the girls basketball coach at Sydney High School. But before we get to Tyler, we want to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Cossack Chiropractic, which is located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive, which is just off of 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. You can look them up on the internet at CossackChiro.com. That's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Or give them a call at 402-964-0300. Be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Coach Shaw followed us the other day. Glad to have him following. Uh, we try to have daily coaching tidbits on a pen and a napkin, so be sure to follow us there. Obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes. Uh, download, rate, review, give us five stars. Uh, check us out. Uh, the more we get, and then we're getting more and more every week. It's very, very exciting. Uh, but the more we get, the, the higher up in the ratings we go, the more coaches we can reach out to and help educate them on their craft. Uh, last thing is, if you have any questions, any comments, any suggestions, email us at the pod, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach Shaw, we are finally, third time's a charm, ready to go here. How are you doing tonight, Tyler? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, you know, a little tongue-tied a few minutes ago, but we, we finally got it figured out. So, uh, season's up and going here. Uh, season 14 as the head man of the Sydney Red Raiders, I believe? Yes, this is my 14th year as a head coach. Very good, very good. Um, well, we... Uh, just kind of get going here. Uh, you've listened to a few of these. We were talking about it before we started taping here. Uh, we'll just kind of start out the, the way that we usually do. Uh, just for those folks that don't know who you are, um, tell us about yourself, uh, where you're from. How did you end up being the, uh, the head girls basketball coach at Sydney high school? Oh, wow. Uh, so my name is Tyler Shaw. I'm originally from Brooklyn, Nebraska. Grew up and graduated in 1995. Uh, went to UNL. Uh, I took some uh, <laughs> funny thing. Uh, I was a physical therapy, uh, pre physical therapy student, applied to the schools and stuff. But I switched gears once I took uh, Dr. Tom Osborne's coaching football class. Oh, okay. And, and, and I literally just took that to just be in Coach Osborne's class. Sure. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. I'm sure you and, were the only one that ever did that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, at UNL, when you uh, went enrolled, if your last digit your social security number was early enough in the day, you could get into some of those exclusive classes. So I just rolled the dice and did it my junior year, got in and was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. I just like the process of everything. So um, yeah, I graduated, uh, went to student teach at Bennington. Okay. Uh, Coach Larry Claus was kind enough to let me uh, be a, an assistant there at Bennington with him with the boys team. There's a couple of years of talented kids go through there when I was there. Uh, went to UTAN, uh, my first job. Did, I was the freshman and JV boys basketball coach. So I had about 35 games in a season there. Did you, did you, and, did you uh, get paid the double duty? Uh, no. That oh. would be a hard no. Oh, I mean, come on. I know, right? Like, I should have jockeyed. I didn't even know what I was even thinking or doing <laughs> at that point. I just like, oh, they're going to give me a job. I'm going to teach 
half the science curriculum in the high school and junior high and be the basketball coach. This is great. And I uh, did that for four years. Um, went through three head coaches in four years while I was there. Applied twice. Got got uh, passed over a couple of times uh, doing that, which was a which was a godsend, really. I mean, I was. I, I don't know how I would have handled that or how that would have went. What do, what, do you, what do you what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I thought like I just feel like every like when I was twenty two years old, twenty three years old, I just thought, oh yeah, I can do this. You know, I was with Coach Claus. He had talented, talented boys on his team, and I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. Let's just, I'll just go throw me the Wolves, go to UTAN. They had been down a little bit um, or a lot bit when I got there and applied for the job. Did all the summer stuff because they were in trying to find a coach a little bit later in the summer. So I did all the, uh, the, the Bergen, uh, Fremont Bergen summer league and the camps and things like that, did all that. Then they hired a guy from Colorado. His name was Paul Keeney came in. He was there for a year. And the reason I say it was a godsend is because my second year there, I was coaching in the summer league and I applied for the head job again. I was coaching at the Bergen Summer League with the varsity team. I get home. This is like before I really even like. This is still when people use landlines. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All the all the co- old school coaches out there know what I'm talking about. There, it, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a rotary phone though, was it? It was not a rotary phone. Okay. But all right. Yeah. So I, I go home. I'm hanging out with my wife we're just i mean she was at she's in medical school or was a resident at that time so like any time we could spend together was precious time and she uh, I, I got this phone call out of the blue and it was a guy that had watched me coach at the summer league and basically said hey i've been offered the job that i know you applied for i really like you know, kind of what we saw the summer. I think there's some stuff we can build on. Would you be willing to be the assistant? His name was Rick Aarons. I know you know Rick yep. very well, I'm yep. sure. And uh, I thought that was a pretty classy move, just calling me because I don't. I, I mean, I, I, I like how he kind of felt it out and said, "Hey, would you be willing to just be on board with this?" And you mm-hmm. know, because I'm not sure he hadn't just accepted the job yet, and. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. That was like my first impression of Coach Aaron's. I was like, all right, let's roll. And it didn't bother me at all because I learned a tremendous amount. That's why I say it was a godsend. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, yeah. Well, keep rolling with the with the story. That's 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 a great sign. Oh. And, and he's a terrific coach. Did a great job oh, at yeah. Newman there. Yeah. And, yep. Oh, yeah. He was there for – he was at UTAN for a couple of years and went over to Bishop Newman to the AD. And I was there. And, and, and by the fourth time I knew my wife was going to graduate, we were going to go to somewhere in rural Nebraska. Uh, she was an RHAP student at Wayne State and got into the med, med center through that system. So I knew – probably shouldn't put my name in the third time because I know we could be anywhere. It turns out, Marty, uh, teachers follow doctors, not the other <laughs> way around. <laughs> so Why is that? I don't know. I have no idea, right? Yeah. Uh, so we went and apl- she went and applied a lot of different places and stuff, and um, kind of one of the late – late applicant uh late places she applied was uh sydney and she had a couple of offers out there but you know i mean i mean i've been in sydney because i'm from central nebraska and, and but not a lot of people 
you know, from central or even eastern Nebraska, even though just how far it is. It's a big state. Uh, you came out here in 2014, I believe, 13, 14. It's season, a big state. We're just going to leave it state. at that. It's a big state. Yeah, it's a big state. <laughs> it's a big, big state. state. So, <laughs> so uh, came out here. She got offered the job here, and I, I was going to take whatever job they had here. They had one coaching job, and that was freshman girls basketball. So transitioning from the boys to the girls um, was – Actually, a pretty easy transition. Uh, I had four, our team. Our team was four freshmen. My 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 freshman team was four freshmen, a sophomore, and a junior that never played basketball before. So that's that's who I was rolling with uh, my first year, and it was good. I think we might have went five hundred, a game below five hundred, and uh, it taught me that you know I, I need to need to learn how to teach. Uh-huh. <laughs> Even after four years of doing voice stuff, uh, I just need to learn how to teach things. Yeah. So uh, it was it was a it was a good experience. And then the varsity job opened the next year, and I was lucky enough to get it. And we just now here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what were some of the things that you took from uh, Coach Osborne? I got to ask since you brought it up. What are some of the things oh, that you yeah. took from uh, Coach Osborne's class that you're able to uh, transfer to to and and uh, make it part of your coaching philosophy when it came to basketball. There, coaching's coaching, but it's obviously it's two different sports. But what are some things that you're able to 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 take from that experience? I think I think one of the things that you just take for granted when you go into a coaching class is like everybody thinks they can coach. Like everybody everybody thinks they can coach, and nobody thinks about. And one of the things he really stresses like. <laughs> A lot of times coaching isn't about coaching. You know, there's a lot of ancillary things that you're going to have to deal with if you are a head coach in any sport, you know, especially at a smaller school that you have to be able to juggle. And just just kind of the time management aspect that he broke down, um, his process on evaluating players was, was really kind of cool. Uh, so he had just been out of coaching. That was his first year out and coach Solich was the head coach. So he had some free time. So he was looking at, uh, recruiting film and was showing us in class and just, I guess, pointing out some of the fine details. Like, you know, when we watch, when I was watching the film, I'm just like watching where the ball goes. Sure. You know, I, I don't even know who I'm supposed to be watching. And he's just pointing out all these little small details and you know, the, the details were everything for him. And mm-hmm. that was, uh, that was something that I was like, wow, this guy's, he really has the it factor, doesn't he? Was it, was so, it, was it like details in like, uh, so bo- body language, just, foot, well, you yes, know, more physical or mental or probably just like technique and, uh, just like stepping with the correct foot every single time. You know, he'd like pause it and they had, had the old school film, you know, where they rewind it. He's got like this, thing that looks like it's you know the size of his fist and it's just like rewinding the film fast forwarding the film just going back and back like madden like uh-huh. a madden oh yeah trainer and he's just circling things on there and showing us watch how he steps here watch how he steps he's consistent every time they showed everything it, it was it was pretty cool it was a pretty cool experience um that that i was able to be a part of gotcha um so what, uh, you know, you, you, you're kind of like a lot of coaches where you, especially male coaches, you get into coaching and you start out 
coaching guys or you expect to coach guys and and then you uh you actually do it for four or five years and then you end up coaching girls um you know what are what are some of the things that you notice uh the you know the differences uh any adjustments that you had to make to your coaching philosophy you know just kind of what what was that experience like for you transitioning and 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 what you enjoyed about it what you what you uh some things you could have done better just kind of the whole thing oh wow yeah so many things they could have done better and still to this day i look back and like man why did i do that but um, I think the major thing that I noticed is when I when I coached boys, and, and maybe it's just being young, and it's just how teenage boys are, or whatever. And you ask them to do something, and it is like whatever, dude. Like sometimes you'd get the whatever, dude. But like when I coached girls, I would ask them to do something and give them the why. They really cared about the why, like why why. You know, if you explain to them that, oh, well, then they will try to do that every single time. And that was one of the things that I noticed right away. And that could be, you know, obviously who I coached in the past and who I coached, you know, with, with the girls. It might not even be a gender specific thing, but it's just something that kind of stuck out. Also, um, uh, how to communicate with them. I didn't really tone down how I talk to them. I didn't coach them like boys or girls. I just coached them like athletes. Does that make sense? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I didn't really like when I like sugarcoat things because kids can see right through that. Uh, especially those girls, they were, they would have been like, well, what is this guy talking about? You know, just, just give me the facts. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you, and if you give a kid, a kid, doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl, the opportunity to like, okay, do you want me to tell you the truth or do you want me to, give you feel goods <laughs> they're going to pick truth every time even though they know that truth is sometimes kind of like oh that one hurt and if and if so, they if they don't if they don't pick the truth then it's not then, somebody you want to be coaching anyway right yeah if they don't want to pick the truth and like what are we doing here why are you, you know why are we out for the sport why are we even doing this right yeah. are we trying to get better are we trying to uh, you know, use this to become a better person off the floor and things like that so that was I mean they're really wasn't a ton of differences though that I saw. I just had to be more patient with some of the things. And maybe once again, it could have been our talent level. I mean, I came into I think the varsity team my first year was one in eighteen or something like that. So just the you know, the pass that goes through the hands multiple times and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. all right, this is what it is. You gotta be patient. But I think that goes for boys as well. I mean I'm sure that's a that's definitely a thing. Not been my experience, but that's definitely a thing. I'm sure a lot of people have to deal with. It's just patience is a huge virtue to have when you're coaching. I I coach for for of my 24 years, I coached girls slash women for 23 of the 24. Um, oh wow! And and I thought the one difference, and and again, and I don't want to you know paint with a broad brush or anything like that. Um, I always kind of the the one thing that I saw with with guys is um they kind of would be at times well this is how kobe does it or this is how lebron does it therefore (laughs) this is this is the way i'm gonna do it too uh and, and i watch this and i try to emulate it whereas most females uh not not all again and again this is a very broad statement but 
right. most most females seem to be a little bit more open to you as Coach Shaw saying, no, this is how you attack this. Not the way Kobe does it, not the way LeBron does it. This is the way we do it at Sydney High School. Um, that's kind of what I've seen over the years. And, and again, maybe that's just me. I don't know. No, I think that's I think that's I think that's pretty much spot on. Uh, I think that's a that's a good assessment to have because yeah, that's one of the things that like I, I mean those are the things and those are the people that they want to emulate mm-hmm. on the floor. So they want to try to do some of those you know degree of difficulty ten moves, which are, are really tough. Sometimes you just got to master the boring. Yeah, you know. Like, yeah. I mean, and I will tell you this. One of the reasons Kobe was so good is because he did master the boring. Absolutely. Now, granted, he was an amazing athlete, an amazing shooter, amazing scorer, amazing competitor. But, I mean, he mastered the boring and the footwork and just between him and Jordan and those guys with the footwork is just, I mean, everybody sees the flashy plays. They don't see him jab stepping for three hours and taking, you know, <laughs> shots. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it was Tiger Woods that once said if, if they saw how many thousands of times I'd practiced that 12 foot putt on the practice green, they wouldn't think yeah. that it was so amazing when I hit it on the 18th green of the masters or whatever. It's, it's something like that, right. you know? And I, right. and I think that's, that's key for, for anything, any profession, you know, your, your wife as a, as a doctor, you know, she's had those repetitions to make sure she's really, really good at what she does. Just like we as coaches or the players with their skills, whatever sport it may be. So um, that's, that's, very true. That's very true. So, um, you know, you've, you've had a, you've had a nice run here these last, uh, these last few years, uh, you know, well above 20 wins the last three or four years, uh, gone down to the state tournament as really high, you know, number one, number two seeds and, and brought some quality teams. Uh, but then you've, the basketball gods have kind of not looked out for you very well, Tyler. Um, I don't know what I did to them. Uh, it's okay. You know, but, uh, you know, you, you've, you've played really good teams. Uh, you know, I know a couple of years ago you played Beatrice, who had a power five uh, guard that we win against every year, and Michaela Jones. You know, last year I believe it was Elkhorn South who played a Class A oh. schedule all year. Um, you know, how have you uh, – you know, it's it's a great problem to have within your program, but nonetheless, it's got to be a little bit frustrating to both you and your players and, and and the kids within your program to work that hard to get down there, and then the numbers add up to, oh God, we got this is who we got, and we worked so hard yeah. to get this number one seed <laughs> or number two seed. Uh, you know, how how have you uh, coached your way through that through your program and and handled the you know great adversity? I guess would be a, a great way to say it. So. I'm still trying to handle it, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's like Coach Marie said when he was talking on his uh, podcast, uh, just getting down there, getting in the hunt. I mean, that's, you know, top priority. Uh, the last couple of years, we went in high seeds, and we just kind of ran up against uh, some tough matchups for us uh, last year. You know, we are – pretty much consistently in the bottom of class B, I think we've been either the smallest team or the second smallest team. Sometimes we're the third smallest team, but definitely one of the smaller teams in class B. And um, I, I think going down there and just against Elkhorn South, that was just bad luck. I think I got a, te- I got a text from Coach Laverde. 
I think, uh, I think uh, Jennifer, I, I got a hold of Coach Raggy because we were supposed to play each other, and then we had this weird thing where one of the teams we beat, their one of their scores was against the JV team. Oh, geez. And so it didn't count, and that bumped us up because they went to a Tier 2 team. Or I don't even know. But everybody had us playing Elkhorn. Uh-huh. Everybody. And I saw it coming, and I alerted the – yeah, I told the NSA. It's like, uh, you, I don't know what the rules are, but this is definitely a thing. Yeah. And then that next day when the when everybody jumps, the Coach DeVerty couldn't believe – everybody couldn't believe it. They were yeah. texting me. I just remember – but, uh, yeah, it's uh, super frustrating. But everything's kind of matchups down there, you yeah. know? I mean, like, matchups, there's some things that you can get some luck, and you've got to get some luck on day one. We just haven't – I haven't figured that out yet. We haven't had that luck. I mean, 2010, we beat Alliance in the district championship. Jordan Hooper's Alliance team, and we oh, go yeah. down there, and we face Jordan Hooper. And how'd she do against uh, you? Because against us, she put up – uh, I think about 35, 40 points, something like that. It was crazy. Uh, she, well, she, had, she, she had like 35 on us. It was in the first half, yeah. but, you know. Oh, <laughs> did, she, did she go bonkers? Did she, did she score like 40 she, or something? She had like 40. Yeah, she had 47. Trust me, I remember that number. Right. You know what, though? That was uh, yeah. that was the ultimate. We 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 just, you know, this nothing. She played awesome, and, and the folks from Alliance were really fired up. Um and you know, but in in my kids' defense, and I'll defend I'll defend my kids till the cows come home. We didn't go down there to play in the third place game. We went down there to win a we, we went down there to win a state championship. No, nope, I totally agree. And and when we uh, when we you know we really felt like if we would have found a way to beat Seward in the semifinal, we were going to win the state championship. And we kind of had that build up for basically fifty one weeks to have the rematch right. against against Seward that right. year. And, um, you know, you know, they, they were really excited to play. Uh, my kids were not, that's not a defense. That's just, that's just the truth. And they, and they beat us and Jordan Hooper went crazy and she's a tremendous player, tremendous player. Um, uh, one of the best, excuse me, one of the best in the history of the state, you know, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, 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 I yeah, I, I, I came up with a great game plan of holding Jordan Hooper to forty-seven points at nine o'clock in the yeah. morning at Lincoln High. You know, so yes, when you want to be, yeah, that's probably why they got rid of the third, fourth place <laughs> game. Is one of the reasons in BNA, right? Yeah, and exactly. Like, that's probably one of the reasons. But so in two thousand ten, we, you know, went down there and played her, and then uh, two thousand fourteen, we're just lucky to make it. Play against GI Northwest, they win. Uh, yeah. 17 was a year we played North. I think they came in as a five seed, and that was like a three, four point game. We were right there. They went, yep. and they pushed South Sea to the brink, and South Sea went to the finals. Uh, I gotta think here. 18 would have been Michaela Jones. We played the Astros at home. They came out to our tournament, and we beat them. I mean, obviously, moratorium ball. <laughs> it's <laughs> you tough. Know, what, it's tough, and they drove all the way out to our place, and we barely beat them. We felt great about life, and then they uh, end up, I believe, knocking off Waverly that year mm-hmm. uh, in, in in the district final, and I was like, oh, man, and Michaela is just, I mean, like you said, power five. She was just awesome, and then last year, the, the matchup of uh, Elkhorn South, we just, yeah, they just had 
you know, just they were they were the classic schedule. I think really helped them yeah. uh, tremendously. In you know, everybody and everybody looks at records and they just go, "Oh, five hundred seed, man! You're gonna you're gonna crush them." Like. I don't think you look at who they play. <laughs> yeah, let's take a look at how they got to 500 there and then talk and, about it. Yeah. And it's okay. It is what it is, right? Because, like, what's the alternative? I mean, there's yep. the worst places to have your last last game of the season, you know? And, yep. like, and I mean, it's it's a great experience for those kids, and we're happy to, to have those things. But, you know, all in all, like 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 people say, you got to get down there, get past day one, and then you get a little luck on your side, and who knows? And that seems like, how many times have you heard that story? Like sure. it's just you get past day one, and who knows? You get some some senior step up or some sophomore step up, and you know all of a sudden you're hanging medals around somebody's neck. So well, we haven't got to that point yet, and I don't know if we ever will. But I don't know. Well, we're just going to keep on working. Yeah. Um, you kind of alluded to uh, your uh, your wife uh, being a doctor. Uh, um, yes. and, uh, you know, how, you know, she, she probably brings home a pretty nice second income to the family. They're not quite at the public school teacher salary that, uh, you're, yeah. you're, you're drawn, you know, <laughs> right, uh, but, right. she, but she's also a, a breast cancer survivor. And, and I know that was about the time that we went out there and played in your tournaments out there. Uh, yeah. you know, just, um, you know, uh, how, how your family, process through that and because you've been pretty open about it um and, oh, yeah. and 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 kind of uh how the community of sydney kind of lifted you guys up and put you put them put your, your family on their shoulders and and what that experience was like for you well in 2000 or would it have been 2011 2012 it was new year's eve actually new year's day uh and got a diagnosed about a week later uh, my wife had triple negative breast cancer at 35 years old, which is is pretty young. And triple negative is just uh, that's a rough one to be diagnosed with. She was uh, stage two B, which means it hadn't gone to her lymph nodes yet. It was a two B. Was it's kind of a larger uh, tumor. She actually had two primary tumors, so I'm not sure what was going on there. But uh, it's it was a full year of. Mm-hmm chemotherapy, radiation, reconstruction, surgery, and I guess, uh, you know, everybody was very supportive of us and uh, helped out, and uh, I'm not going to lie, there was some, it's tough to coach a basketball game when you've got that kind of stuff going on. and Puts everything um, in priority for you. It really did, it, perspective, it, but, but it wasn't perspective at the time. It was perspective, like, down the road a little bit. Okay. Right? Because, like, the, sh- the initial shock of it, I think when we, I told the girls, I think we uh, I think we won a couple games that weekend. And then the next weekend, we played, well, I was in, it was our first chemotherapy treatment, and we were in Fort Collins getting that. And everything was going to be fine. We were just going to go from chemo straight to Ogallala. And go, and I was going to walk in the gym and just coach the team, right? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Chemotherapy didn't take well. She had a, not a real allergic reaction or whatever, but they wanted to keep her there, some precautions. So we were there, and I was watching. I was looking at my watch, and I was looking at the <laughs> clock, and I was like, you know, the knees shaking a little bit, and I just kind of like came to the conclusion, like, I'm not going to make it back, yeah. and that's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And and I called their assistants and I said, you got them. And they're like, what? I'm like, yep. 
this is I, I felt like this might happen. So mm-hmm. uh, listening to that radio call was agonizing, especially when we were up in the first half and we ended up uh, blowing a double digit league to lose the game. But I think that was kind of a you know playing at Ogallala in the old auditorium is tough. But I just feel like that just wore on all of our players too. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It yep. just it was a it was a trying time that season. Uh, you know, getting through that, but you know, you come out on the other side and, you know, now she is what, seven years cancer free and, and big picture perspective. I mean, wins and losses and all that stuff. I mean, yes, they, they feel really good and they feel really bad, but I mean, when you can kind of step back and look at the big picture, I mean, the big picture is how, it's how you respond to times like that and how people uh, come together for you. And uh, a lot of people stepped up for us and helped us out through a pretty tough time. So mm-hmm. um, applying that to coaching and everything, you know, like she, she did this before, before uh, she even got cancer. She was been always one of my, uh, one of my grounding, uh, you know, just foundations of like, Hey, your kids played hard. Nobody died, right? Yeah. Like yeah. nobody died, and and that and that really brings you back, snaps you back to reality. Because I mean, Marty, you've been a part of tough losses and big oh, yeah. wins, and the, oh, yeah. the highs are the highs are really high, and the lows are really low. And you know, Coach Aaron's always to say things are never as good as they seem. Things are never as bad as they seem, yeah. and that's something that I try to apply. You know, now and and, and specifically after being in that situation, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, like you said, I think that's a great perspective to have, and and uh, you know, in, in a small tight knit community like Sydney, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys had tremendous support, and uh, you know, I'm just happy for you and your wife that that, that everything has worked out well, and and uh, you know, that's it's 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 tough enough for everybody involved to be part of a coach's family, and then when you throw a uh, a metal di- medical diagnosis like that in it, um, it, it makes it even tougher. But like you said, I think in, in some ways, you know, missing that game probably helped you uh, realize that, Hey, everything's going to be okay. You know? Yeah, it really did. It really did, man. I'm <laughs> telling you, I mean, didn't at the time didn't feel great at the time, but yeah, big picture. Absolutely. I appreciate those nice words. Yeah. Well, we are going to transition here a little bit. We're going to throw out the uh, the Don Meyer quote of the day here. Um, this is a little bit of a tongue twister here, but I know this was co- one of Coach Meyer's favorites, so uh, hopefully I do this a little bit better than I did the intro Uh-oh. here. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, here we go again. Uh, so the Don Meyer quote of the day is, Be what you is, because if you be what you ain't, you ain't what you is. You did that perfectly. Yeah, well, I just had to read that one. So, <laughs> be what you is, because if you ain't what, if you, bleh, be what you is, because if you be what you ain't, you ain't what you is. And I, you know, I, I think that's basically saying you got to be yourself. Don't you think, Coach? Facts. And I think a lot of times, I, I'm guilty of this. I'd say a lot of coaches are guilty of this. That when I, I mean, I just kind of assumed I had to be like, like my high school coach, Dennis Murray, was a Bobby Knight light, you know? Okay. I mean, just, just like, you know, hard man-to-man, motion offense, always uh, wore Indiana shirts, uh, maybe had some four-letter bombs in his vocabulary. 
Yep. And just really like, just really would get, now granted, if that worked for me. I'd run through a brick wall for that man to this day. But, uh, I, when I started coaching, I tried doing that and I don't know how long it took me. I mean, I, I would say I probably was, I don't know, coaching girls at Sydney before I realized I don't have to be like coach Murray. Like, yeah. There's other ways to do this and you got to kind of be what you are. Uh-huh. And that, that's, uh, that, that was kind of, uh, nice and liberating as coach yeah <laughs> i realized that i don't have to do it there's lots of, that's what i've learned the more the more i've coached the i i feel like i know less it's just so many ways to skin a cat in yeah. this business and uh and there's just you know you got to be yourself and you got to go with what you're what you're confident at not what oh what's the net what's the newest hot trend or whatever what can you teach and relate to kids and that's kind of the big one yep Absolutely. Well, speaking in teaching, uh, speaking about teaching and relaying information to kids, I know your your teams are known for their their defense and and attacking the ball with their pressure stuff. Uh, could you kind of go into details, kind of your uh, defensive philosophy and, and what you guys teach out there at Sydney, and, and and how you get your kids to attack the ball the way that they do, and and kind of your philosophy on all that. Yeah, so we traditionally are a man-to-man team, year in, year out. I mean, we, we obviously will sprinkle in some zoneness and change your pace, and also it helps to just know how to play against the zone, a decent zone in practice. But uh, man-to-man-wise, we're probably more of a, a up the line. We're better when we're up the line, on the line, versus pack line. I'm just better at teaching that and that pressure. Um, a couple of things that we do that – uh, is probably a little bit different. Maybe not. I don't know. Is that we really try to push players to their weak hand. Okay. <laughs> we have the last, I don't know how many years, uh, we try to scout people to their hand, their handedness, and we try to push them to the weak hand. And I know that goes against allowing middle drives and stuff. And if we have somebody that can get to the cup with their left hand or their off hand, then we obviously have to figure out how to do that uh, or how to deal with that. Um, but in general, we, we tend to just kind of put our, uh, so whatever hand person is that the we want to push them. We, we instead of, cause if you tell a kid push them left, how many times do they push them to their, to the player's left, which <laughs> yeah. is actually their strong hand. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so we just say left foot forward. If, mm-hmm. if a defender puts their left foot forward, it'll push. It'll naturally push the player to the left, to their left hand or weak hand. And uh, so we do that. That's maybe I don't know. It's probably not different, but we do that. Um, I think the philosophy have, of wherever they have it, you push them to their weak hand. You know, that's pretty unique. Um, yeah, because like you said, bit. you're you might be you, you, you could you know. If a right-handed kid has it on the right side, you're you're giving up some middle drive potentially there. So we are giving up middle drive. We do give up some middle drive, which is a little bit weird, especially when we're not pack lining. Um, we teach uh, we teach to not overhelp one pass away. We teach to kind of like stunt or whatever. I still, I mean, like everything that that all our terminology and stuff. Some of we make up, and some of I steal. Like we call it a skirmish. We kind of. Uh, uh, I guess it's a you know fake come at that person and get back to get back to the shooter one pass away. So we definitely do give up some middle drive. We 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 tend to tell our kids to bounce on closeouts, arrive to the ball with a hand above ball. 
uh, and balance on closeouts. When I say balance, I mean when they put that ball on the floor, we've got to bounce back. And then if and if a girl can hit a step back, well, then we've got to figure out something. Yeah, you know, I mean, like that step back is is kind of changing the game a little bit with uh, how tough it is to guard. Um, we have a numbering system for. <laughs> I, you know, I was listening to some of your podcasts and talk about scouting and stuff, and it feels like most of the coaches came to the conclusion of uh, if you give a kid too much stuff, it's just they're thinking way too much and reacting too little. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, uh, what was it? The the more they think, the slower they are. Yep. I think is that a, is that wooden? I don't know who said that, but uh, um, what we do is we give is we give a numbering system on how we want to close out on players. Um, Basically, we go zero, one, two, three. Uh, a zero is a player that we would decide to no catch, uh, and that means a full face guard. Don't let them touch. This is you know the Jordan Hooper rules kind of thing, sure. right? Like, yeah. like if she just doesn't touch it, you know that would be great. But Jordan was so great that she could get the ball, you know, pretty much whenever she wanted. So, uh, but we go zero, which means no catch. A one uh, for us is they are a complete player, like number one on their team, which means that they can shoot it, they can drive it. So you've got to be just in the bubble, in the space bubble, but you got to be able to balance on drives. A two is somebody that we would uh, traditionally, uh, Coach Meyer would say you would dork them. If that, if that's uh, that, does that resonate with you? Coach oh, Meyerism? yeah, dork. yeah. I, 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 I heard it a lot when I got the ball. You know, there's the dork. <laughs> the dork. That, 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 <laughs> that, the dork. That, that goes back to the late '80s and early '90s. Yeah. So, yeah. Huh? if you don't know who the dork is, you're the dork. Is yeah, that it's exactly it. Yeah, it was kind of the same way. Kind of the same way when I went to a lot of the social occasions in college too. You know, there's the dork. You know, so it followed oh, me off the man. court as well. So, oh Marty, uh, <laughs> so the two, the two, the two is we just play off. Yeah, play off. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to say on the podcast why we call those number two, but it has to do with their shot. Yeah, Sm- smelling great. And then number three is we call them, that's what Coach Meyer calls a dead three, where it's somebody that can catch and shoot, uh, but really have a trouble trouble getting to the rim with that. So we run them off almost like a hockey stop closeout. We over-close out, and we would call like, okay, number 15, she's a three She's a three left or a three weak. So we know that when we close out on her, we could be flying out on her, and she's maybe not comfortable. She might put it on the floor one time but not go all the way to the rim, so you don't get, you get away with that. So if you just say, hey, she's a one, she's a three, she's a three weak, you know, she's a two, it just, there's your scouting report, man-to-man defensive-wise. So that's yeah. one of the things that we do that I don't know if it's unique, but it's just, it's easy for me. It's easy for my simple mind to understand. Yeah, we kind of, we kind of did, we kind of went to the, to the uh, shooter, driver, uh, no guard, uh, post. Yeah, we had, we had five, we had five categories. And so we said, um, shooter, you know, we said like Corver cause we're like, you know, in, you know, in Omaha, Corver. You know, yeah, Corver, yep, yep, yep. you know, so that would be like your three. Um, and then like a, a complete player or, a, a like, you, you know, a one. A, a, a one, um, was like a Durant, you know, they could score at all three levels. Um, and then a post kid was, um, I, you know, Howard, you know, Dwight, Dwight Howard, maybe not Dwight Howard recently, but you know. 
no, I got you. Yeah, and then you know, and then for the dork, I would always say, okay, and this this one's a plum, you know, just to have some fun with it, you a know, plum. you know, this one's a plum, you know, so <laughs> so it'd be like you know, D Wade was all drive, Corver was all shooter, you know, uh, Durant was could do everything, you know, so that was the one time that my name was up there with all those guys, yeah, but. The, the, the girls thought it was funny, you know. So yeah, of course, yeah. I was put, put uh, you, I don't know what you do for a center now. They don't use centers anymore. So I mean, what if centers are an Embiid, but Embiid shoots threes or Porzingis or I don't even know what you do. Nobody plays it. Nobody plays with their back to the basket anymore. It's all sprawl ball. Right? It is. It is crazy, you know. And it is a little wild. You know, are, are you seeing that seeping into things out in your area? Oh, we have probably since the mid. I don't know, mid tens, whatever. Probably about thirteen since we were out there. Uh, yeah, probably since you were out here. We have tried to. We've been doing that for about five, six years. It, we keep the mid range shots to a minimum. I mean, I'm not saying an elbow shot's a bad shot, right? Like mm-hmm. if it's wide open. I mean, the elbow is a nice target where kids, when they just go mess around, they shoot at the elbow. That's why the kids can kind of shoot at the elbow because it's a nice little target on the floor that yeah. makes sense yep. but for for the last however many years we've been get to the rim shoot threes or get the ball get a paint touch kick out inside out threes and get to the rim free throws that's pretty much if you looked at our shot chart the last few years i would bet it'd be pretty sparse from about 198 to about mm, 12 feet mm-hmm. or so 15 yeah. to 12 feet it's pretty it's pretty open there uh-huh. whereas other teams i mean i'm fine with they sh- with them shooting 17 foot shots yeah. right I mean, yeah and so i mean not that i like, like what we're doing is anything different than everybody else has been doing the last few years but that's just kind of like hey if you're going to shoot that shot can you please get behind the three and that's usually the thing that we have to tell freshmen when they come into our into our team into our system is hey I don't mind you shooting that. Just get behind the line, please. And yeah. Like, what? You want me to shoot threes? I'm like, yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I look back to how much because I as we were working on it, I I would sit there and think, God, it's just so hard to develop good girls players off the bounce. You know, just that oh, pull, yeah. that, that that pull up game. And I felt like we put so much time into it and. And even yeah, and and then and now you look at it analytically, and you go, kind of what was going through the back of my head ten years ago is what's happening right now, and I wish, you know, it's so it's so obvious. Why didn't you and I and everybody else see it ten years ago? You know, type of a thing, and you know, and uh, you know, especially in the girls' game, you know, because you know, guys, guys are a little bit more inclined to. They're a little bit stronger physically, most of them, that that they can take that and bring it off the bounce and get it up high off, you know, to get that shot release that they need in that situation, you know. So, um, you know, it it is amazing how much that has changed things. Yeah, you know. you say that that is funny because i go back and kind of think about how many players i've coached you know we've had out here in sydney that can actually that could that could do those things off the bounce uh you know be able to like a i don't know i'm trying to think like a like a mechanic sims or something like that you know just that the ability to handle the rock and come off that and read that screen and everything and man that maybe tenacia you're in 2010 i mean Maybe Tanasia. Everybody else is just going to the rim, like getting to the rim, getting to the rim, but just like actually 
pull up or, you know, just kind of that James Harden dribble for an hour and pull up yeah. that, you know, three. I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to spend much time on that because I think that would be, that would be a huge diminishing return yeah. in terms of, I mean, if a kid's going to do that, they're going to do that from March to November. Yeah. I would assume. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, exactly. Hold that and, 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 and be able to do that. And then, you know, if, if you do have one of those, man, I say, you just hit the lottery. Yeah. Good you're, job. You're going to look a lot smarter than you really are. <laughs> wow. Look how smart, look how great of a coach I am. Wow. Look at that. Look at that. I have nothing to do with that, but man, I look like a great coach. Exactly. Um, so we talked a little bit of defense. Let's talk a little bit of offense. Uh, okay. you know, what's, uh, and I know it's a little bit difficult uh, without the without the visual here on the podcast. But uh, what are a couple of you know pet offensive sets that you guys have uh, that you can kind of describe, or you know, coaches might be able to draw up on their pens and napkins as they're listening here. Um, you know, just a couple of, of, of pet plays that you guys run that that you feel like have been really successful for you. Well, I mean, just like in general. You know, we went to kind of a more read and react offense, you know, Rick Torbett's read and react offense uh, a few years ago. Uh, and I want to say, starting about 14, 15, we started to do kind of a five out set because we didn't have uh, very many back to the basket post players after the 14 class left. So we just tried to open it up and try to do that whole drive, drive, draw, kick kind of action, uh, but out of a five-out set, and we got a hold of the read and react. Um, so we, we kind of use, instead of like set plays, really, not that we don't have set plays, we have tons of set plays, or a few anyway, but we, we kind of work on actions in practice. Um, so we really emphasize just actions, because, you know, when the bullets get flying and everything, and you, especially late in the season, man, everybody knows everything about anybody nowadays with huddle. I mean, it's just yeah. you know, running out, running an out of bounds play. You might as well just set up a whole new system of out of bounds plays when you go down to Lincoln, because I mean, Elkhorn South had every single thing that we had, and we knew everything they were going to run, and that's just how it is. But when we try to emphasize, you know, running the floor, um, getting wide. I mean, we've been doing this since I was in high school. You know, kind of the loyal Marymount. You know, two on the right, three on the left. Get a rim runner. Get a trailer. Uh, just kind of space the floor and just put some pressure on the defensive transition. But once we get down there, uh, we either go five out set or uh, four out one in. And with lots of cutting, we don't set a lot of screens, um, especially early in the season. We do a lot of passing cutting with that react. And then as kind of the season goes on, we start throwing some screens in there and how to read the screens. And, and, and screens are actually more part of our set plays than anything else. So, um, just try to space the floor, run the arc, the overplay back cut. Things going to the rim, though. That's kind of that's kind of our goal. And then we really want to emphasize uh, inside out threes. Uh, if we can get a paint touch, whether it's on the drive or whether it's on a post touch with the back to the basket, maybe there's a collapse, there's a relocate. We can kick it out. And uh, you know, as far as like you're, you're saying, drawing this stuff up. I mean, if you just imagine. Uh, the five spots on the floor being the top, the wings and the corners, those are kind of the spots we go to. Even in a four out one in, you know, traditionally four out one ends kind of go to those two slots up top. Yeah. Like kind of the, uh, the, the Michigan, the, B, uh, the B line, 
beeline. Yeah, yeah. the beeline spots, you know, or or like uh, the all the Dana Dana spots yeah. with that high post. Um, but we we tend to just try to stay on those five spots because it's pretty consistent for uh, us in our five out and our four out. Okay. Do you, do you have? I'm sure you have like certain calls, like when you want to go from five out to four out. Uh, you know, if you want to invert one of your, your guards down there, if you got a, a guard that's, that's good at posting up, you know, you've got certain things you can run out of that. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, uh, we have, I don't know, we must went through a a gambling phase at some point in the, uh, early, (laughs) early 2010s because we, we call things roulette and Vegas and Reno and like, I don't know, man. Monte Carlo, Atlantic (laughs) city. Atlantic city, the Bellagio. I mean, I don't know. We, we, Fremont, we had Fremont, like Fremont street. Oh geez. I'm not kidding. man. So I think it just became, became one of those things where like, we had this uh, stall game that was like kind of a, a two one two really high, and it looked like a five on a dice. And fever is the name for five in uh, crafts. I don't, I don't know what happened, Marty. But like, uh, I, I think what went, actually happened is you were supposed to be the fifth guy of the Wolf Pack in the Hangover, and you're so. and you're still so. bitter about not getting the royalties from it. Well, I think it was you supposed know, to be you and Bradley Cooper and Ed Helms and. I didn't even get left on the roof, man. I, mean, I, just, I don't tell you. I'm not even the guy that got left on the roof, so it makes me sad. But, but yeah, when we, when we call that, we, we'll call just the name. We'll just switch to that uh, that four out one in set, and we'll call it, and we'll just say so-and-so if we think we have a mismatch. But that's one of those things that, like, you know, some kids just aren't comfortable playing their back to the basket. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can have six footers that aren't comfortable pointing their back to the basket. So yeah. you kind of have to identify those things or work on those things. And, you know, you can try and try with some of them, but you might have a five, six kid that can play their back to the basket better than a six, two kid. So yeah. it's one of those things you just have to kind of drill and practice. And like I said, put the emphasis on the actions whether we're, you know, doing draw and kick, whether we're driving to have the post slide up the lane, whether we're, you know, driving that, uh, we call it a hammer drive, where you drive baseline and kick to the corner. Um, or we sometimes we call Steve Nash, but no, no kids know who Steve Nash is now. So, um, but yeah, we, we try to emphasize actions like that and, uh, and incorporate those actions in some of our sets. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the things that you guys have done? You know, you've been really consistent uh, the last decade or so. You've had you've had consistent winning teams. You you said you took over a situation where you were one and eighteen ish, something like that. And yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, some of that comes from having good athletes and and right. and good players. But what are some other things that you've done? uh to 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 build up your program for for our listeners that are maybe in a smaller school district not a smaller school district but you know you guys you know you, you have your your district or whatever you're you're not bringing in kids like some schools do here in the no. Omaha metro where you know they can live on 60th street but they're going to school at 180th or vice versa right. you know, that type of thing and there's there's five high schools in between that they're skipping right over um you know uh, what what are some things that uh um what are some things that you guys have done? Well, I think one of the things that you know, that you probably have to emphasize in any, you know, like I said, nothing I'm going to say is going to be earth shattering because, like, our, our, don't we always just steal from the best? Isn't that what coaching is? Absolutely. Kind of just, isn't that what it is? Like, you're either a replicator or an innovator. 
Yeah, I mean, like, and I would say there's a, there might be a couple of innovative things, but like a lot of times I'm just like, man, that, one, that sounds good. Let's try that and see if it sticks. And uh, I think ultimately, you know, it starts with just kind of the culture of uh, uh, wanting to be part of something bigger than themselves. Culture, like we say this all the time at Sydney, we just want, we want to build good basketball players, but we want better people or better humans. You know, that's, that's the bottom line. And if we can get people that want to work hard and, you know, uh, be selfless and, 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 and try and, and not be afraid to fail and learning from your mistakes and building that culture is kind of one of the key things, the key tenets that we kind of try to instill in these players. Now, sometimes it works, obviously. I mean, you've, you've coached for many years. Sometimes it sticks. Sometimes it doesn't. And some years are better than others as far as that culture. But I think that's kind of the foundation uh, of, of where you start because ultimately people have to understand what your expectations are. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, hey, what are we doing here? Right, like this. Yes, this is a basketball game. Yes, in the grand scheme of our lives, it probably will not matter. But it's the habits that you're forming that matter, and it's the, it's the. You don't have to win, but you just have to like prepare and have the will to try to win. And yeah. That's kind of the big, the big picture. So that that's what I would start off with, and then ultimately getting buy-in from, uh, from our players, uh, just kind of like and also being kind of adjusting to your teams as the years go i mean i've had like man i don't know have i had you know 14 teams of the same of the same team or have i had like you know 14 different teams i'd say we've had 14 different teams you know and uh just being able to adjust on the fly trying to figure out uh how to maximize what kind of things that they're good at uh, having a plan, a season-long plan, or a, like we've got to be good at like a few things by as the season goes, yeah. and and we've got to get better at these things and trying to identify those. You know, after the are, are, uh, bus are, stop, are those the are, are those the same things every year, or do you adjust it every year? Oh, we adjust it every year. Okay, we adjust it every year. I think uh, we kind of look at. I mean, defensively, I think it stays pretty much the same. Uh-huh. I'd say our defensive philosophy is pretty much the same. We're going to play man-to-man defense how we play man-to-man. We're going to play zone how we play zone. We're going to press the way we press. Uh, if I find good ideas, we find good ideas. We implement those so kids don't have to think as much. Um, but in general, the defense stays in, but the, but the offensive thing is kind of like, man, we're not very good at passing and receiving we've got to be better at throwing into the post or mm-hmm. and we've got to develop some shooters this year and try to get you know what's that what's defined what a good shot is and just work on those types of shots that we're seeing in games and and, and that's kind of the thing that i think fluctuates a little bit more for our program mm-hmm. i don't know i know there's some like i'd say coach aaron's you know coming from him he was i mean defensive systems and then offensive system was flex. Yeah. I mean, he was the master of flex. And and that was like something I had never seen before. <laughs> I mean, I'd seen it. I know I defend it when I was a kid, but like I'd never seen anybody with so many entries to flex. And that was actually cool because it made me use different parts of my brain to kind of like implement different things. Like, wow, that's really structured. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've never done anything like that. So that was, so maybe basically long story short, be flexible, mm-hmm. be flexible offensively and try to maximize who you have. Because out here we have who we have. Yep. You know, I mean like, and that's probably like most places. I mean, let's be real, but like out here we have who we have. And, uh, you know, every year is an adventure. How do you guys, uh, work together in your athletic department? Um, as far as sharing of athletes, um, is it pretty open? Oh. You just walk down the hall and say, mm-hmm. Hey, let's, let's sit down and talk about what you got going on this summer, that type of thing. How do you, how do you work together with that? Yeah, we, we try to have coaches meetings and, uh, and, and basically, you know, I've never, we've never really had a big issue with sharing of athletes out here as far as on the girls side. Um, I can't speak to the boys side cause I've never been on the boys side. I mean, just for, as an outsider, but, uh, the volleyball coaches that we've had here, I mean, I don't, geez, I don't even know how many volleyball coaches we've had. We've had a few and since I've been out here, but in general, uh, we share athletes. We don't really try to I don't try to steal athletes actually I don't even ask kids to go out mm-hmm. I, I, I never have I've never asked a player to go out for basketball yeah in, in my you know 14 year career I've never like saw wow that girl can grab the rim <laughs> <laughs> and, and honestly we have one that's you know it's a very athletic group but I've just never I mean like if, if you want to be part of this then you're gonna want to come to us and and we're going to go with the people that want to be part of it and i don't because i don't i don't think that it i don't know i just i don't want it to ask me to go out and then have those expectations like oh he asked me to go out he's going to want me to play and then things don't work out then you've got then you got a problem and yeah it's no it's no good you know what i'm saying oh absolutely like, uh so i i just we, we we share athletes uh we have some kids that uh, it's probably more common now to specialize than it was shoot when I started. Yeah, me when I started. Although we didn't have a lot of kids out my first year uh, as a head coach. I mean, we had probably less than I think we had twenty three nine through twelve, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of our average. I mean, our number fluctuates from about twenty four to about thirty uh-huh. one might might be the most that we've had nine through twelve. So one thing we do is we practice nine through twelve together. Uh-huh. Nine, our ninth graders practice with us, and I think maybe that might help them have some success in their ninth grade games. It's just because they're getting the lingo, the terminology. They're practicing with better players, and it just allows them to, I guess, I guess, grow faster. Yeah. Even though yeah. it's kind of a, it's kind of a pain train that first uh, <laughs> that first week of practice, sure. and, and in the summer. But in general, that's kind of where we're at with sharing. You gotta you gotta like that though because you you get to see your freshmen every day and you get to be part of that growth process with them from day one too though. It's it's fantastic and I think it's been one of our biggest advantages. Uh-huh. I mean being being a small class B is is tough on the bottom of B, but you know if you're like at Gearing or Scotts Bluff or Alliance or like schools that are bigger enrollment, they might have more kids out. They might have 30 some kids out and they might have to do those freshman practices like safer in the morning. Like I, 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 I've always done it that way. And you know what? Sometimes like that year we had 31, we had a pretty big freshman class. I just, 
It's like, no, we're doing it all together just because I want to see what we have and I want them, even if I'm not ready to, even if I'm not ready to exalt them to JV or varsity, I just want to, I want them in the system and I want them to kind of know what to expect when they come in their sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, obviously you guys have had nice success with girls basketball, but you've also had some success with other sports, other female sports. And, uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about the weight room and kind of what you guys do out there. Uh, just kind of, you know, uh, impart to us a, a little bit of wisdom on what you guys do, uh, with your weight room, uh, uh, workouts and, and how you, uh, train your athletes overall as a system. Well, you know, in our system out here, since I've been out here, we have um, usually have one or two weights teachers out here uh, that, that pick up like the PE kind of weights thing. And we try to um, we try to sit down with them and uh, kind of emphasize what kind of things we want to get out of that. Uh, a lot of our athletes, uh, and this maybe goes back to the culture, this maybe just goes back to unwritten expectations but a lot of them try to especially the sophomores youth and seniors they try to get a waste class in their everyday curriculum mm-hmm. um, now sometimes it doesn't work uh, sometimes you have uh, maybe you have a player that's involved in lots of things because that's sometimes what happens you have well, fine arts and you have some of those classes that just don't work out but in general we try to get them in that uh, in a weight class and have them, uh, you know, lifting four times a week, one day agility, uh, agility movement, footwork stuff, and uh, and try to do that. You know, obviously the code, the teachers up there are cognizant of when games are and when, mm-hmm. and, and and I'm fine with them lifting on game day as long as they do light, just break a little bit of sweat and everything. I mean, I don't, I think the evidence is out there that. You, don't have to just sit on your rear end on game day. Exactly. Day, you know what I mean? You want to get the blood um, flowing a little bit. Yeah, just break a sweat, you know, lightweight, lots of reps, and just kind of, uh, you know, get moving a little bit. Get like kind of a, it's kind of a pre-warm-up warm-up uh, mm-hmm. on the day. So that's kind of uh, what we've done. And in the summertime, we get June and July, we have certain times when we have our, our kids come in, and we kind of all just uh, tackle it together, I guess and cover certain times and uh, uh, try to make the program specific mm-hmm. to, you know, kind of like a, in general, basketball, volleyball, kind of they're similar type programs. We don't want to get too specialized because, I mean, we just don't want, you know, we just want the kids to work hard. Like sometimes quality work is just quality work. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're lifting tons or lifting uh, you know, less. We just want you know quality over quantity when it comes to the weight. Mm-hmm. Um, working with administration. Last thing here. Uh, just working with admin. Uh, you've been out there a long time. Uh, I'm sure you've probably gone through a, a cycle or two of administrators. For for any of our coaches, you know, what's what are what are some keys with uh, having a good relationship with your administration and and things that you found that have worked for you. We say this to our players all the time. Use your words. <laughs> Use your words. Be transparent. Oh, yeah, just be communicate. Communicate, communicate, communicate. If you think you have a problem with, like, maybe this player is not happy, maybe the parents aren't happy, whatever, 
like giving your administration a heads up that, okay, this might happen. We might, and like, how often do we cut at Sydney? I mean, barely at all my 14 years, because like I said, with just the numbers and everything, but in general, we just try to have conversations and keep our administration uh, on their toes. Hey, expect this, this might happen. And I think they'd really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, kind of, uh, having a heads up so you know they don't get the random phone call thrown back to their office where they just get you know the blowtorch treatment from the other side of the line and uh, and I think that helps I think they appreciate that quite a bit. How often do you talk to your athletic director? Oh, I mean, I, you know, since I'm in the same building as them, I, I every day like I yeah. see them every day. Now, do we have real like how often do we have like real conversations about sure. you know things? I don't know. I yeah. mean, probably not as often as you know. We real, I, don't, I don't think very often. But I mean, yeah. here's the deal: if if something's going down, I mean, you just got to be you got to be open and honest and just. Like I said, it sounds so simple, but it's so tough. Yeah. You just use your words. Yeah. Use your words. And, you know, I expect them to do the same. And, and, you know, for the most part, they have. You know, they, they use their words. They they will tell you, hey, you know, what, what, what was going on over there at practice with, you know, so-and-so. I'm, like, yeah, I'm yeah. glad you noticed that, you yeah. know. So um, that, I just think open transparency uh, just kind of – not taking them by surprise, I really think that they appreciate that. Yeah, yeah i I tried to do that as much as I could too. Is you know, hey, I you know, I would even go so far as to say, you know, before after, okay, we've divided up our teams. You know, all right, now that we kind of see what the lay of the land is here after tryouts, here's kind of three or four potential bumps in the road that I could see. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but. Just this is kind of what I see here that, you know, here's our top seven or eight, which means, you know, number nine might be okay with it, but number 10, uh, you know, you know, so just letting you know uh, that type of stuff. And uh, just kind of, like you said, try to be as open and as transparent as you can be. And, and, and when, and when you do make mistakes and you're going to make mistakes, even in your best oh, years, man. you're going to make mistakes. Yeah, you, you just, you just own, you do the same thing you tell your players it. to do, own it and, and, own it. and learn from it and move on from it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Own it, move on. That's, I mean, you got to own it. You got to sit down, have conversations, tough conversations, own it, and, uh, just try to keep on moving forward. And definitely I think the key is to learn from it. Yeah, you learn from it. Like, and that's the thing, right? Like, I I learned so much from Coach Claus at Bankton and Coach Aaron's at UTAN that, I mean, you know, listening to like, like Coach DeBerry's, you know, his first few years, Rocky were Rocky, you know, because mm-hmm. he's just learning it on the fly, right? Yeah. He's just kind of dealing with these things as they go. Well, I had the advantage of working with some really good coaches that were really consistent. They really, they weren't wishy-washy. They really adhered to what they valued and, uh, and, you know, just, just be like a sponge. I mean, just be a sponge and pick up, you know, and you can pick up things that you, that like, man, that was good. And then you can pick up things like, wow, I, I'm never going to do that because that was a disaster. You know what I mean? So you can learn from, you learn from the good and the bad. Uh, and, and, and like you said, just be transparent and open and, and 
and honestly, just be honest. Mm-hmm. Just be honest. I mean, I've had players go out where sometimes you have, like out here, you'll have a senior that says, hey, I'm going to go out for basketball. It's like, have you ever played? No. Well, that's going to be tough for you um, yeah. because, you know, A, B, C, and B. But you know what? If you want to be part of something, you know, we can probably find a place for you if you want to be a manager because, you know what? You're probably worth to us more off the court than you are on the court because I need somebody – that I can trust that if they're a good student or, you know, one of uh, a top, top notch kid, I mean, man, get as many of those people around you as you can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, little slow start to this season, uh, than, than what you're used to, but you, you got to feel good about your group, don't you? Oh yeah. I, I, I think, uh, you have, you have a couple of kids that graduate that played a lot of minutes for us the last few years and they covered up a lot of, uh, maybe some uh, deficiencies or, I mean, yeah, good shooting cures a lot of things. Yeah, it does. You know what I mean? I mean, good shooting is a pretty good deodorant, just like winning is a pretty good deodorant. It covers up some stuff. So uh, starting out the season one and two, I can't honestly tell you the last time we started one and two, maybe might be my first year. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look, but it's not like uh, my first year, uh, feel because I feel really good about where we're at uh, as far as our, our team this year. Um, we just have some players that haven't don't have that game type experience, and they're going to have to learn and and uh, get used to that speed and get used to those. You know, you put a few people in the stands, and it's kind of chaotic, and you have kind of a rivalry game. And I'm proud of our girls from going toe to toe with North Platte and a very talented Scotts Bluff team to overtime that. Um, I kind of like where we're at, and I think uh, we got the right mix of kids that are going to want to get better, and and we just hopefully we'll play our best best basketball at the end of the season. Now that you've gone through the uh, the the new system a couple of years, mm-hmm. and, and this this yes. question is more for people in Nebraska, not not outside of the state, you know. Uh, right. But but how, how do you, how do you like the the new setup? I mean, because you guys. You, oh, you, you, yeah. you, you knew every year it was you, Scott's Bluff, Gehring, Alliance, and McCook, and that yes, was it. It was yes. never going to change. You know, yes, is, is, it, yes. is it better? Is it worse? What do you think? I think there's years, you know, like there's years where it would have helped us. 2013, no doubt, would have helped us. Uh, 2012, 2016 would have helped us, the new system. Mm-hmm. Um, there's years where it would have hurt us. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably 2014, maybe might, it might not have helped us very much. I don't know. We have been on the bubble there. Uh, we had a pretty good crew, but weren't very deep that year. Um, so I like it. I think it, I, I, I like it. I just, I, I mean, it, it seems like it changes every year. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, no. With Class A, people moving up to Class A and, you know, having a cutoff and everything. And then you do boy enrollment and girl enrollment. I think by the Wazoo's Class B and boys, but there's C1 and girls. Yeah. That sounds like a pain in the rear end for the AD there. And, uh, I mean, I I'm, I mean, I'm cool with whatever they want to do. Man, they can yeah. serpentine at 1 through 32, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I'm fine with it. You know, I, I it's fine. It's just, um, I think it's done a decent job getting some of the best teams in the state down there, but mm-hmm. there's always going to be, I mean, there's always going to be in basketball specifically. I mean, there's good teams that just don't go. I mean, you look at last yeah. year. Uh, I think, 
I think Coach DeVries' team had to hit a three at the buzzer to beat Norris. Yeah. I mean, and that's like a 314. Yeah. Like, people always ask me, why is it different with basketball than it is volleyball? And I'm like, well, here's the deal. Volleyball, you can get beat 25 nothing in the first set, and the score resets. Yeah. You Absolutely. know? And, yeah. And, and, and in basketball, you go down 25 nothing. And it's going to be a tough hole to dig out of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you've got to overcome that. Not that you don't have to overcome a lost set, but like, what's the difference between 25 nothing and 25, you know, 23? Yeah. Like, so I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's just, man, there, there were some, like, Platteview last year, they came out to our place and they had some athletic kids and they are going to be tough this year. Just waves of pressure. Tough to prepare for. They were like Waverly Light last year, uh-huh. I thought. Uh-huh. And they went toe-to-toe with Waverly, and they were a 16 seed. Yep. So, I mean, I just think it's tough. Yep. I mean, and, and I'm fine with the system, however it is. I think it's fine. It's a little weird this year that we have some teams with three teams in the districts and some and subs and some team with four. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably would have went with like uh, nine three-team subs and just kept it consistent. But, you know, whatever. It's, yeah. I think they probably just want to keep, you know, geographic groups together, kind of like, because that would have been us. We would have been bumped over to, like, with McCook and, whoa, Lexington? That would have been interesting. That would have been an interesting sub-district. Yeah, you'd have to get your passports out for that district. That's what I'm saying, man. That would have been been interesting. So, I don't know. What do you think about it? Because I know you were one. Uh, uh, that was back in the day sending out emails, just getting ideas, proposals, things like that together. Because sometimes your district is a buzzsaw. Yeah. And two wild cards didn't, two wild cards weren't enough. I mean, you look at this year, I think there's a sub district that has, correct me if I'm wrong, you probably would know this. I think, I think Norris, Beatrice, Norris, Beatrice, Creek and Seward might be in the same sub. That or sounds about like right. That. Yeah. I mean, that is brutal. Yeah. That's yeah. a brutal sub. It, it, so it, you go back it, 10 years ago, I mean, that's that's terrible. Yeah. That's tough. Well, yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, for, for the, I mean, that's, you know, for, for folks that aren't from where we're at, you know, I mean, that's like, you would be like saying, all right, Duke, North Carolina, uh, you know, you guys duel it out to get to the, to the state tournament, you know? And, and I realize that sometimes that's unavoidable. Uh, I've, you know, and I grew up in Iowa. I, I, I kind of like what Iowa does where they kind of, they, they wait and especially now with modern technology, you can get a hold of film and that type of stuff. They kind of wait to to seed everything until mid January, mid to late January, and oh. and they kind of gerrymander the districts, so they kind of got a pretty oh. good idea of, you know. Now I, I'll be the first one to admit the geography of Iowa makes that a little bit easier, especially with the the smaller and the mid tier schools like yeah. yours and mine. It's- you know, yeah, West would be rough because there's not very many Class B teams out West. That's exactly. the problem. Yeah, right? and, and and that's and that's that, that's the that's what makes the the formula difficult in Nebraska. You know, but you know, right. I I always kind of thought even when I was in high school, you know, uh, this is kind of how crazy it was when I was in high school. And I like I said, I grew up in Iowa, uh, so our Iowa listeners they can relate to this. Um, we would know or who we were going to play in the district, it, it, the first round of playoffs before the season even tipped off. 
Like they would say, Sheldon is going to play Storm Lake. And you hadn't even played a game yet. And it's like, why, you know, and even then you, you looked at it and you're like, why in the world would we do that? But, you know, it's just kind of, well, that's the way we've always done it. And, and, and I'm glad that there's open thinking and there's open ideas. I like, of, of everything that we could come up with in Nebraska, I, I think this is a, about as good as we can get. I think it's set up. I, I've just always believed that you have the eight best teams at the state tournament is is if if you want the state tournament, if you want it to be the showcase of the state, let's do everything we can to get the eight best teams down there every year. Right. You know. So I give, so if I give you the magic wand right now. Okay. You can, this is a lot of responsibility. Honestly, I feel like I Harry know, Potter right now. Wand, the magic wand's coming your way. Oh right? boy. Okay. And I tell you, okay, you get a Boom, Class B. What's what's your system with Class B? I would. Uh, oh man, <laughs> I'm I'm supposed to be the one asking the questions. I know. But I thought we were just talking. I didn't know you were recording. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. No. Right. Uh, let me think. You know, because it's been a while since I looked at it. Um, right. The the the. I think the only thing I would look to change, possibly, and I know this is a delicate situation because they're talking about it with like Class A and Class B because there's a Class A proposal. But um, would we consider? And I know, like for you guys, it's it's tough. We, we talked, we've we've talked numerous times about how scheduling is tough on you guys because you're playing the same teams over and over again. And yep. in the in the Omaha area, we play the same teams over and over again out of convenience, where you do it out of necessity. Um, right. uh, if there was, I don't know if there was a way to try and even out the regular season schedule so you make everybody as much on the same level of, of, of scheduling, you know, X amount of, of class A or class B or class C one, whatever class that you're in, you know? And again, I know that's part of that's limited by budgets and geography. And we, we don't have enough money for, for pencils and papers in some districts. And we're talking about, you know, scheduling differences in, in volleyball and softball and girls basketball and that type of stuff. So, um, I, I, I do, I do have the magic wand. Um, that would that would be kind of my only thing. I think we've gotten about as close to it as we're going to get with what we have. You, you wouldn't do it like Colorado does, where they just bracket the whole thing out and like piece it together and everything with their uh, regionals and everything. Like, or like bracket class B out. I mean, the problem is, it's just when do you play? Yeah, right. Because you're driving. Right. A, I mean, like, okay, Sydney goes to Scott. Right. Yeah. Six yeah. hours later, you know. Exactly. But. But, uh, I mean, that just having a bracket system or serpentine in everything, that, that would definitely be probably ideal. But then again, you still got to deal with when you play and everything. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And that, was, that was one thing I was going to ask you. I mean, yeah, I'm on, your, I'm on your podcast and I'm asking you questions. No, that's fine. No. <laughs> Here's my second question. For okay. You. Uh, All right. Are you pro shot clock? Yes. Okay. I yeah. I think I, I am surprised we don't have one yet. I mean, South Dakota has it. Yeah. Right? Like, granted, I get it. But budget restrictions and all that things and somebody's got to be able to run it and how many times are they going to 
reset it when it doesn't hit the rim and all those things. But like class A or B, I think that's what South Dakota did to start. I don't know if it is. It's in their. I know it's in their top two classes. They only have three classes in South Dakota. Yeah. And I know it's in the top two. I'm not sure if it's in that bottom class. But. I, I, I think the skill level is adequate enough at most levels. And, and most most teams play at uh, – the, the athletes want to play at a pace. Um, the, their skill level is good enough that they can play at that pace. And most of the time, the shot clock isn't that big a deal. Uh, until you get into the last three or four minutes of a close game, and then you're, you know, how long do we hold it before we put up a shot? Right, that type of thing. Anyway, right. you know, that's so. the, like the last three minutes is just the thing. Like uh-huh. if you have a good ball handling guard and you're up seven, game time. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just yeah. over. Like, yeah. It's just, and that's and that's something that would. I mean, granted, that's helped us a tremendous amount in the past. It would have helped us oh, at sure. times. It would have hurt us at times. So, Absolutely. I don't know. I just wanted to get your take on that, just because it's something that people ask me quite a bit. No, I, I'm I am all I am all for it. I, I think it's it's I think it's beyond due. Um, I am I am as well. I am as well. I mean, it would. How many violations? I mean. Would they have? I mean, I can't imagine. Maybe oh. JV games. Well, maybe you know, one or two a game. But then you reward maybe. your defense for for playing well, and you know, um, you know. Now you're going to have your coaches that that don't like it that say, "Well, it takes strategy out of the game." I say it puts more strategy into it because you got more possessions that you got to manage. You know, yeah, you do have to put. Yeah, Coach Weeks wouldn't like it very much. I don't no, think. <laughs> no, he, no, but <laughs> but you know what. He's a really good coach. Yeah, he, he is. Adapt and he'd figure it out. Right? Yeah, he would. Oh, absolutely. He would. He'd figure it out. He's absolutely. a really good coach. So. so, Well, Tyler, this has been a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I've had a lot of fun. I just, I mean, I feel like I, if I could just come back, you know, every week or whatever, and, you know, we could just talk about the ins and outs of basketball, that'd just be great. But I get it. You've got Hall of Famers to talk to and uh, state champions and things like that. So, Well, I like talking to good coaches who know what they're talking about, and you're definitely one of those. And, and you're, you know, we've talked a lot over the years. Um, you've been kind of a Western connection for, for me here, and I, I've always appreciated you sharing information and, and just the conversations we've had. So it's just kind of nice to take some of the conversations we've had and, and, and put it on tape here, you know. So I'm humbled that you asked me to do this, and I had a blast. This was awesome. Awesome. Well, hold on the line here as we wrap things up. Uh, We, of course, want to thank COSAC Chiropractic for once again sponsoring the podcast. Uh, If you're in need of any chiropractic services, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at 402-964-0300. Again, follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. Uh, Download, rate, and review on SoundCloud or iTunes. Let everybody know. Coach Shaw, be sure to tell everybody that you were on this. Don't be humble. Be a bit braggadocious and let them know. Uh, Um, I will will do my best. Uh, I I don't... Yeah, that's going to be tough for me, but I'll do it for you, Marty. Oh, thank you. you. Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate that. Email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Again, just a a privilege and a pleasure to have Tyler Shaw from Sydney High School on the podcast this week. Uh, Hope everybody understands the 24-hour delay here. I I was under the weather. Coach Shaw was uh, really nice to to delay our our discussion 24 hours, so I really appreciate that. But uh, coaches... As always, be sure to hone your craft one day at a time.